When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and a warm welcome to the Radio Times podcast. Every week I get together with TV and screen expert Rihanna Dillon. I'm Jane Garvey and we talk telly, don't we, Rihanna? What yes, have we got we this do. week? we do. A lot. We have the Channel 4 comedy series Big Boys, which is less dirty than it sounds. We have nature documentary series with David Attenborough, prehistoric planet. Yeah, there's no filth there at all, is no, there? Sadly, <laughs> shocking lack of filth in prehistoric planet. We have the infamous Selling Sunset, which I have spent my, feels like what, my entire life avoiding. And now, this week, I was forced finally to sit in front of <laughs> Series 5. At least there was payment involved. <laughs> believe true. me, unless I'd been paid, I wouldn't have watched it. And we've also got something that is on a, well, a whole other plane to Selling Sunset. But what is it? <laughs> That's such a good description. The Essex Serpent, which stars Tom Hiddleston and Claire Danes. And it's directed by Clio Barnard, who's going to be joining us on the show later. You got to speak to her. Yeah, I talked to Clio. And here she is, actually. Here's a quick taster. Uh, she's describing here what it was like to work with the two stars. And they are stars, Tom Hiddleston and Claire Danes. They're amazing. They were both absolutely... 100% committed and delved into those characters deep, deeply. Both of them did a kind of deep dive into those characters. I know Tom talks about uh, the novel and how both of them, in fact, talked about the, all the actors, what a brilliant resource it is, because you get something of the interiority of the character through, in addition to what you get on the page of the screenplay. No, it was an absolute pleasure. I mean, it was gruelling at times because it was physically quite a demanding place to work but the, the Essex Marshes I mean yeah they're very spooky it's a very very atmospheric piece uh, and it's adapted actually from a novel as described there the novel by Sarah Perry that was the director of the Essex Serpent Clio Barnard and you'll hear more from her a little bit later now the next time I see Rihanna we're going to be in front of a live audience at the BFI <laughs> this is big stuff it's the BFI and Radio Times Television Festival and we are doing the podcast live on Sunday the 22nd of May. You can be in the audience. To find out more, just head to bfi.org.uk slash tvfest. Do you like doing that sort of thing with, with people you can actually see? I love it. I think I kind of thrive on it. I've done so many live Q&As that when it went to doing it Zoom in my bedroom, that was lovely in its own way for a little bit. But yeah. now being back in front of an audience is so much fun because you really get the energy. Everyone's so excited still. I mean, I know we've been, I feel like we've been saying, oh, isn't it lovely to be out and back together again for probably a good six months? Well, we have, a but year, do you know what? That's because we genuinely are still yes, excited. And people are still, you know, being cautious as they should be. Yeah. But it, you still get that electricity. Electricity, I suppose, that frisson when you go on stage. Oh, darling, I can't wait for the frisson uh, when we go on stage. Have I, you done anything at the BFI before? I, it's all coming back to me now. I have. Yes. yes. In fact, I have worked previously at the BFI and Radio Times Television have Festival. You indeed. I interviewed the cast of, oh, I had some good sessions, Call the Midwife. Oh, fun. Yeah, one of my favourite shows. And uh, Victoria. 
Oh, brilliant. Yeah, which is a show I really liked. Yeah. So I talked about that with some of the stars of that. So, yeah. But it's it's a really, really interesting thing to do, to, to visit the BFI and the Radio Times Television Festival. There are some big, big names involved. Uh, but we'd love you to see... We're not claiming to be big names, but we'd love you to be part... <laughs> we'll be of, talking about big names. We'll be talking about very big names. <laughs> and we'll be joined by at least one big name for that live edition of the podcast, which you can either witness or you can just catch up with uh, the way you're doing it now. But if you'd like to be there, uh, go to bfi.org.au UK slash TV fest. Okay, um, now you have been away, and could you tell a... by my tan? Well, you are you are looking absolutely <laughs> radiant, and what well, I think I am allowed to say this: you went to an all-inclusive I did resort with some girlfriends, some girls, yeah, and um, you wouldn't wear the wristband. <laughs> and as as a rule keeper and someone who likes regulations, I'm actually. Really horrified by that. It was. I, I don't want to get a tan line. I take tanning quite seriously, and I because I tan so easily. So mm. if I'm wearing something around my wrist, I'm going to have a stupid old white mark, which I don't want. I did wear it in for the meals. I just slipped oh. it on and off. Oh, she's a real team player, isn't she? <laughs> I wore it for the meals. Uh, okay. I mean, I had to because they would have not let me in otherwise. Yeah, well, quite. You need to get your money's worth, don't exactly. you? One of those all-inclusives. <laughs> Where are we going to start then? Actually, with a bit of comedy and a show that I think surprised us both, certainly surprised me. It really did, actually. It's easily my favourite of the week and it's Big Boys. So it's based on the memoir of comedian Jack Rook. I didn't know Jack Rook, actually, but based on this, I'm really excited to hear more from him. So it's about his father passing away when he was a teenager and then him having to go to uni and deal with the grief as well as the realisation that he has a little bit more freedom to explore his sexuality and he gets stuck in a sort of mini campus away from halls, him and one other guy yes. <laughs> are just put, dumped in this horrible old classroom-esque type scenario where they just have to set up camp for the next year. Big Boys is on Channel 4, starts on Thursday the 26th of May uh, with two episodes, one at 10, the other one at 10.30, then every Thursday night or everything's on all four after the first episode has gone out. And I think actually by the very nature of the show, I'd recommend a kind of binge because you can relive your own student days if you're lucky enough to have them. Trust me, I did. Do the all-nighter, watch the whole thing. Um, Here are the lads, it's Danny and Jack. And here's a clip. Yes, lad. You got the beers in? Like it? Oh, no, I've got some ravioli. Oh, is it? Nice. It's Sodolami all day. <laughs> I love those guys. Oh, oh, mate. I'm so sorry what you and your mum saw. It's fine. We weren't watching. <laughs> your mum was having a little peek. <gasps> this is decent. Heads up. Oh, jeez. Don't really drink. Oh, Cantonar. Man, you. Nice. Uh, yeah, I only really know of him as an actor. He gets his willy out in the film You in the Night. It's very artistic. Oh, a little bit of Bombay mix. Don't mind if I do. Mmm. Ah, that was rough. What is the dynamic here, then? We just need to know a little bit about these two. And they're at the University of Brent, Brent. we should say, in the year 2013. Is Brent sort of near London? It is. It's in northwest London. Right, OK. I just yeah. It doesn't exist, either, the University of Brent. Fine. Yeah, I didn't think it could, really. No. Um, and also, if you're a fan of ghosts, you will know Katie Wicks, who sort of plays the peasant one who died of the plague, I think. Yes, not in this. Not in this. In this, she's a student counsellor who is 
just still trying to relive her student days. Well, I think she's a great character. She is hilarious. Because I think <laughs> we most, all know them. We kind of do. They there exist. is always someone <laughs> who is very much a part of the fabric of higher education life. You can't actually age them that you're not certain what they're still doing there. <laughs> the truth is, they don't really know what they're still doing there. Everyone knows they've just been there a long time. Yes, yeah. yes. We all had one of those, yeah. at least. I'd forgotten they existed, but it's so bang on, because they do. And I think that's this is exactly the period when I went to uni, so Jack and I must be just a few years' difference. And it that's what's so lovely about watching this, is because all of the reference points are ones that I'm really familiar with, and I don't feel too behind or <laughs> anything like that it's great and I was, so I was talking to Mike about it and I was saying you think that hang on Rihanna has a partner <sighs> called Mike I'm just telling people people know well they don't know <laughs> people know when I'm talking about someone that's probably going to be my partner <laughs> carry on so I was talking to Mike about it yeah. and I was saying Danny walks in you think you know exactly what kind of guy he's going to be as yeah. you heard in that clip you yeah. know he's like he's always on he's a he's really a jack the laddie, laddie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's just he is so brilliant in comparison to what you think he's going to be well he's supportive of he's, Jack for a start he knows what LGBTQ plus is he knows all the pluses mean he you know Jack is not aware of it because he's had a very sheltered upbringing in comparison and it's just really lovely to see just to see this guy that we thought that we would know everything about from the moment that he stepped in and to just be constantly surprised I think by all of the characters I think the writing is really clever as we heard from that clip it's just jam-packed full of jokes yeah if you don't laugh at this then you, you I would say it's the best comedy I've seen since Derry Girls, I would say it's it's not quite maybe not quite up there, but it's not far off. Yeah, and it's it's edgy as well. You know, yes. you're making some jokes where you're kind of going, I don't Ooh, know if have I they be really laughing about that. that, but I'm really but laughing at it. You so. have to bear in mind that this is student life, and it's set in 2013. Yes, and I guess it resonated with me because my university days are a while behind me, but my kids are still doing it, and mm-hmm. so I am aware of freshers. Lest we forget, is an extraordinarily challenging. <laughs> intoxicating and for some people difficult times yes. it really is and you can burn out so quickly you so can <laughs> after that first over those first few days yeah it just it, immediately even if you didn't go to university i think you know what it's like to live student life in a way of just that kind of first sniff of freedom and going out and going to bars and going to clubs and finally realising that you might fancy people and they might actually fancy you back and having illicit snogs places and yeah I think it's just it does a really good job of being quite inclusive yeah of everybody yeah, I, I would I would agree I think they've made a really good effort here to have something for everybody yeah and for for any I don't know I, there's just a warmth about it yeah that I really enjoy we should say that Jack is played by the lad who is in Derry, Derry Girls, Girls which is why I made the reference I suppose I just forgotten I had Dylan Llewellyn sometimes I'm cleverer than I realise <laughs> uh yes who of course famous spends the whole of Derry Girls saying that he isn't gay because he isn't in Derry Girls <laughs> no. here he is <laughs> and he has to spend the whole time sort of trying to come out I think I don't think Dylan Llewellyn is a brilliant actor actually and I think that Jack Rook who he's playing Jack Rook who also does the voiceover who we also just heard in the clip um, it doesn't matter because his character is so sweet it's more about the people that he's describing around him it's about finding his people and that's the bit that's so gorgeous 
Because finding your people is so important. And you might not necessarily do it at university. No, but, that but you feeling, might. You might. Yeah, I think it's the worry that you're going to definitely, which we can't be certain about no. when, when you head off to uni, but you may be very fortunate yeah. and find your tribe there. I would say this was, it's the kind of heart-stopper five or six or seven years on, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, so if it's you're, a lot less if you're enjoying, sweet, in it, a way. Yes, it, there's, it's more explicit. There are sex scenes in, in Big Boys. Um, but it's sort of heart-stopper at uni, I would, I would say. So if you've enjoyed that on Netflix, yeah. then this might be one to look at as well. I agree, yeah. For what we are in total agreement <laughs> about how much pleasure Big Boys will give you. <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, Channel 4 on Thursday the 26th of May with two episodes then, one at 10, one at 10.30. Then just as I say, just pull an all-nighter, pretend you're back at uni, you'll absolutely love it. Now, um, let's hear from our guest, Clio Barnard. She is director of The Essex Serpent. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It's an adaptation of a novel by Sarah Perry and the first episode's already up and then they're dropped weekly on Fridays. The stars are Tom Hiddleston and Claire Danes. It's set in 1893 and the story by Sarah Perry originally is based on a 17th century legend. It's about Cora Seaborn, a woman who is really enjoying her freedom after her abusive husband has died. She moves from London to a tiny village by the sea in Essex and becomes intrigued by the notion that it might be haunted by a sea serpent. Uh, that's a mythical beast. Um, we're talking prehistoric animals a little bit later, but this is all the stuff of myth. Uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, plays a priest, Will Ransom, who becomes very much involved in Cora's search for the sea creature. Here's a clip then where Will and Cora are out looking for fossils and discussing the possibility of the serpent's existence. I'll come back with some tools. What are you hoping to find? A tangible link to our past to the creatures that came before us. To what you think is out there. Maybe. But how can a dead fossil prove the existence of a living one? It can't, but it might give us hints, clues. You really believe that? I think I believe. I'm never sure of the difference between thinking and believing. Perhaps one day you can teach me. That was a clip from The Essex Serpent, and I'm joined by the director, Clio Barnard. Clio, hello, welcome. How are you? Hello, uh, I'm good, thank you. Good. Now, how did you come across this? Had you read the book, and, and what did you make of, of Sarah Perry's novel? I was very intrigued by Sarah Perry's novel, and it was really word of mouth. And I remember where I was when I heard about it, and I was on a train going through the, the marshes on the edge of London, actually, by the Thames Estuary. And I thought, well, yeah, what a great idea to kind of look into the folklore of landscape and myth and think about what that means for the inhabitants of that landscape so um i guess i was going through dickens country on the yes. on the south side of the thames on my way home and that was when i very first heard about the novel and it's got some very starry individuals in it notably of course claire danes and tom hiddleston so let's just talk about their combination because tom hiddleston plays the reverend and claire danes is a widow, but also somebody who's coming out of a, well, he was an abusive man, her dead husband, and she is haunted by dreams of 
that relationship. Just tell us a little bit about that dynamic between the two leading characters before we get on to talk about the actors, if that's okay. Yeah, so Cora Seaborn has been in this abusive marriage and the story starts when her husband dies. So, well, the way Sarah Perry talks about it is she's then kind of released, really, to discover love in all its forms. And she kind of gets it wrong because she hasn't done it before. So there's kind of a lot about the about the boundaries between love and friendship, which she hasn't really worked out yet. So she's she's inadvertently hurting people. Um, and then she meets uh, Will Ransom and they have this connection, I suppose. And he is very in love with his amazing wife, played by Clemence Posey. Her character is called Stella. And really there's a lot of different kind of love and friendship triangles at the same time as as this search for this mythical creature, the Essex Serpent. Yes. So Tom Hiddleston, just to, to put it so everybody's clear about this, because lots of people won't have read the book, he is uh, the local vicar. Uh, he's trying to keep the population together and to stop panic uh, about this mysterious creature that they believe might be lurking in the marshes. But w- what makes it so exciting is he's got his doubts because... He's not sure whether <laughs> perhaps it is real, in fact. Yeah, I think that's part of what's so great about it is the doubt and uncertainty that, that everybody feels about whether it is or isn't real. And it's set, we should say, it's the late 19th century, isn't it? Yeah. And originally there were reports that Kira Knightley was going to have the role of Cora, which is played by Claire Danes in the show, um, and she dropped out. But uh, Claire Danes is not exactly a deputy for anybody, is she really? Or, or a substitute for somebody else? Yeah. I think she's a bit better than that. Definitely not a substitute. Definitely not a deputy to anybody. You know, no, it was like you know, the thought that she was going to be standing out in the Essex mud with us was kind of like, is this really going to happen? And yeah, uh, I'm delighted to say that it did because yeah, she's she's an extraordinary actor. So. Take me inside that dynamic then. It is a freezing cold day on the Essex marshes and you've got Tom Hiddleston and Claire Danes. I mean, how do you how do you keep them interested? Um, oh, well, what do you do, Clio? Well, you don't have to keep them interested. They're amazing. They were both absolutely 100% committed and delved into those characters deep, deeply. Both of them did a kind of deep dive into those characters. I know Tom talks about uh, the novel and how both of them, in fact, talked about the all the actors, what a brilliant resource it is because you get something of the interiority of the character through in addition to what you get on the page of the screenplay. No, it was an absolute pleasure. I mean, it was gruelling at times because it was physically quite a demanding place to work, but the, the Essex Marshes, I mean. But, you know, they were 100% in. It is actually quite um, an unsettling part of Britain, isn't it? Um, you, you actually watch it, and if you go past it on the train, as I think I think you can, that that is it. Ebb's Fleet and places like that. Ebb's Fleet was where I was actually when I read about Sarah's book and heard about right. Sarah's book, where I looked across this very flat, strange. I mean, quite industrial landscape. That bit of it, but yeah, I mean, it's a very strange kind of most primordial kind of swamp, I suppose. Also, you just wouldn't dismiss the notion that there was indeed a, a suspicious and deeply, deeply terrifying creature down there somewhere. It doesn't seem entirely impossible, does it? It's a brilliant place to explore 
the unknown and our fear of the unknown and the risk of acting on our fears and projecting demons and monsters and blaming people, you know, all of the stuff that our, our psyches and imaginations can do, I suppose. That is Clio Barnard, who is the director of The Essex Serpent. Now, I know the book was very well loved. Mm. People really got into the book. Uh, what do you think of this? I haven't read the book, actually, but I was really expecting to love this. I mean, every time I go on my Twitter, it's being promoted. <laughs> I was, yes. I was very much sort of, OK, yeah, I'll bite. This is going to be fun. It's a period drama with a folk horror bent. Mm. I was like, I think... And you like that stuff, Yeah, you? I do, I do. Well, I feel a buck coming. However, <laughs> and I really like Chloe Barnard. I mean, she directed Ali and Ava, which I was raving about earlier this year when it came out, and it's now on Netflix. So if okay. you haven't caught it yet, it's fantastic. It's Adil Akhtar and Claire Rushbrook. And it's a romance. It's a, Yeah, it's a romance, and it's just very sweet and different and unusual. So for this, I agree with all of your chat about Claire Danes because she is so fantastic. She's known for her face acting and overt expressions. I think after Homeland, it just became like a meme, her face. Yeah. Um, I think she's she kind of is like a masterclass in how to move your face, because it's the complete opposite of somebody like Carrie Mulligan, who does a lot with very little. Claire Danes does a lot with a lot. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. But the trouble is she then shows up pretty much everybody else that she's on screen well, she's with. She's too good to be on screen. <laughs> she is too good for some of the other actors in this, I think. Name so, names. Um, well, Frank Delane, who plays this incredibly narcissistic, creepy doctor, who I think he he wants her, basically. Yes. Um I just did not understand his casting. It didn't work for me. Do you know at what? All. I didn't like his hair. His wig was dreadful. And okay, I think I'm that, glad I'm not the only one. It all looked cheap. I think that was somehow, even though this is Apple, it's it looked really cheap. And if you look to You see, the, I don't agree entirely because I thought some of the scenes down by the sea didn't they didn't to me look cheap. It's not hard to make the sea look beautiful, but I was no. thinking more about the people. If you look at the extras I thought I was watching a horrible histories sketch at some point because they're all so blotchy and all have these terrible wigs on and they just it looks like they're all suffering from some well, sort no, of hang plague. On. It was the late nineteenth century and people were poor. Sure. Certainly but, in parts of Essex. But it was so weird to then just have these two shining faces well, that, and teeth. Claire Danes and Tom Hiddleston when everybody else honestly just looked like they'd stumbled out of like a Monty Python. I tell you who else is in this, who I loved in that brilliant BBC film, Floodlights. Gerard Kearns is in it, isn't he? Yes. And I, I think he's a great actor. He is good. I do really like him. He plays the father of a little girl who Has goes been, missing. Well, she's gone missing in in the um, primeval swamplands of, yes. of Essex. Yeah. Um, I, I think I enjoyed it rather more than you did. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was suitably moody and atmospheric. Mm -hmm. And I love the references basically made to the struggles that women had back then mm -hmm. to be taken seriously. Uh, formal education was denied to them in some cases, certainly an exploration of science. And medicine was an entirely male <laughs> world. And the brutality of it all, chopping into people, extracting Ooh. bits and bobs just to show off. Yes, and it was just to sort of fuel these young surgeons' yeah, egos. Well, well, exactly, yeah. 
Um, there's a great bit where, which we, I think we've seen in a few things now, but where they do these live operations yeah. and they have an audience and it's when we say they're in theatre, it is literally mm. a theatre, um, an amphitheatre. And they all cheer when the surgeon's name is, <laughs> is referenced as if he is some sort of celebrity of the time. That was weird, what funny do you think, and interesting. What did you think of Tom Hiddleston? I, actually, you know what? I buy into Tom Hiddleston in this. I think he, that, that sort of very genteel, handsome vicar that, of course, wrestling. she's going to fall for. Yes, wrestling with all sorts of things going on in Absolutely. his head. Absolutely, and Paul Clements Posey, who plays his wife, as soon as she comes on screen, you think, oh, Paul Clements Posey. That's, it's not going to last long, is it? Now that Claire Danes is on the scene with her brilliant eyebrows and amazing huge mouth, it's, <laughs> she can't compete. Uh, yeah, I think I was completely... I was gripped by the story, and I think that's the reason why I'm going to keep watching it, and for Claire Danes. Everything else, I honestly, genuinely thought was quite laughable. OK. Yeah. It, perhaps it's a good job you didn't interview Clio Barnard then. <laughs> I, 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 You've seen a whole different show to me, um, but perhaps I'm simply not expert enough. No, we I just... Mean, I mean, I, it genuinely, I don't, I don't think I see things <laughs> in the same way as you do. Um, I don't think that's about being expert, it's just having a different opinion. Hmm. Or maybe, I mean, it's okay for me to say that maybe you know more than me. <laughs> I think that's okay. I mean, it's unusual for me to say it, but I, it, it may also be But okay. I also don't agree, because I do, I can see the appeal for this, and I think people will I, enjoy it. I just I, thought it looked really cheap. I think it will find its audience. I, is it, have we got to the stage now, because we're going to talk about another um, Apple TV show in a moment, that we just expect more from Apple because we think they are absolutely awash with dosh? <laughs> yes, very possibly. I think that's a really good point. I think we do expect higher standards than we might from something that is funded from the public. Yeah, I suppose the Essex Serpent. Visually, at least. I yes. don't necessarily mean writing. Mm. There is directing. A, there was only, I think it was the week before last, there was another sighting alleged of the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, this stuff has not gone away. We are, it's very much a part, just in the background, bubbling away. Yeah. Even in the 21st <laughs> century, where we all should know better. And this is all, we're heading also to the time of year where people perhaps after a few drinks, start to see big cats <laughs> roaming around the English countryside. You wait. Happens every year. I'm so confused. I've never heard of this. Like, what? sheep? Are they sheep? No, big cats, I said. <laughs> no, I know, but are they really sheep? Well, no one ever knows because the sightings <laughs> always drift off. Is it this... just a woman in leopard print? I mean, no. <laughs> crawling about in the countryside. <laughs> No, don't judge everybody by your own low standards, please. Uh, no, it's a thing. It's part, certainly part of Britain, and it probably is part of every part of every country. Anyway, I feel as though I'm talking to myself here. I can't wait for this. I can't <laughs> wait for this. <laughs> anyway, it's um, the Essex Serpent, which I thought was rather good, and Rihanna thought looked cheap at play in places. Apple TV+, Plus, uh, first episode already available, and then they're dropped weekly on Fridays. And there are some big names, and I think some great acting from and Claire Danes. a and lot Tom of piercing Austin. blue eyes. And a lot of piercing blue eyes. A lot. Yes, OK. <laughs> Prehistoric Planets is also on Apple TV Plus from the 23rd to the 27th of May, five episodes across the week. Uh, what's this about? I mean, there's a clue in the title, isn't there? Well, David Attenborough is doing his usual thing, doing looking at the lives of animals, taking us through a day in the life of, etc., whether it's on the coast or in the desert. But in this case, it's the lives of dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, not just dinosaurs, because there's some huge turtles as well. And some, yeah, birds. So it's creatures. Creatures. Prehistoric creatures. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you said David Attenborough does his same old thing. I mean, the guy's 96. Yeah. 
Well, he's a living legend, so... That wasn't a, a negative. Well, it sounded just a little dismissive. Well, I just mean that we've seen him do it before and we hope that he'll keep doing it. I just wasn't a huge fan of this programme, but we'll get into that after the clip. This is Prehistoric Panic. There are many ways to describe life on this planet. Some creatures could be called magnificent. Or monstrous. Perhaps misunderstood. But only a few creatures who roam this Earth All three. David Attenborough in full flow. I kind of know what you mean because I, I, no, I, <laughs> I knew it. I You're think, always trying to make me sound bad. <laughs> I think we've sort of we've been so spoilt by the amazing special effects that are now available. Yes. Um, it's just incredible what can mm -hmm. be achieved. And there were times when I was watching this when I actually had forgotten that I was watching something that wasn't really... It was CGI, all... CGI, yes. Yeah. I was actually thinking, oh, this, this is a documentary filmed yes. in prehistoric time. <laughs> I mean, and you really, you have to have a word of yourself, with, with yourself, to actually come back to the 21st century and realise they have created all this. Mm. And it's astonishing. And it does. It's, I'm hugely admiring of yes. the skill set involved I here. am in awe. And also because it looks so much better than a lot of films that do actually have dinosaurs you know maybe not jurassic world but yeah at that sort of level we've seen a lot worse cgi in big blockbuster films that have come out recently yeah so that is very impressive i mean the, the, do you remember the scene in the very i think it's in the first one where a t-rex is having a swim yeah with its babies yes and then they all come onto the i mean you had it was amazing yes it's actually re weirdly moving and then there was a two-ton turtle that a T-Rex just casually just tips flipped over. over. Yeah, just flipped it over. It's just nothing. Yeah, because it is nothing. Yeah, to, to a T-Rex, it would be absolutely nothing. No, but I mean, because it's nothing, because it's CGI, because it doesn't exist. And that is my problem, I think, oh, with this. Okay. Because it's, it's sort of weird how it's making up the stories instead of following them, like we're used to seeing in David Attenborough's real nature programmes, I yeah. suppose. And it is incredible that they know what might have happened minute by minute in these creatures' lives. But I would have been really interested to see how and where this research came from. I, I find that fascinating. I'd have loved to say, so we found this skeleton and we found these particular footprints or yeah. whatever and that's how we realized that that meant that dinosaur that t-rexes could swim you know things like that i'd have okay. loved to have you heard about the science a bit more behind it more intellectual heft and it, it just felt like they were just making up these stories well, then because they can sure but then i didn't have any real um I wasn't invested in these, the characters. Oh. I wasn't invested in these families. You obviously were, because you said it was quite moving. And I was waiting for that. But actually, the, the reason why I kept being like, okay, there's a pregnant dinosaur and she's just given birth and she nearly died. Why don't I care? Oh, because it didn't really happen. And of course it did happen. Billions of years ago. Yes. Millions of years ago. But I just, do you know what I mean? Do you, do you understand what I'm getting at? Because I'm not following um, a buffalo being stalked by a lion in real life, which you are, it's incredibly tense and gripping and frightening because that, you know that that buffalo may well lose its life. 
I don't have that with this because it it is just CGI creatures. No, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not a dinosaur fanatic, and there are. I mean, some kids go through, young kids go through stages where they can talk of nothing but. Yes, and I think that this is perfect for them. Oh, they will absolutely yes. love it. So mm-hmm. it, will, it will find its target audience, and they and they will thrill to the C, CGI, and they will absolutely love it. Um, what did you think, David Attenborough? His voice, his delivery, his voiceover. He's absolutely still in his pomp. He sounds incredible. When you see him, mm. you do realise that he is, you know, he's an elderly chap. It's reminding us about the science in the beginning, yeah. but then not quite revisiting that at any point. All right, so... I missed that. All right, it's the, the prehistoric equivalent of all fur coat and no knickers as far as you're <laughs> concerned. I love the thrills and spills, and I, frankly, watching dinosaurs fight <laughs> seems to me to be a reasonably good way to pass the time, and um, small kids will absolutely thrill to some of the, the stuff that's on screen here. Yes, and it does look amazing. It looks amazing. It, it sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. And I think actually having it more on in the background is is how I would watch this, which is, you know, it's quite a damning thing to say about a TV show. <laughs> but um, it's not like I hated it. It's not like I wanted to switch it off. It was just much more of a background show that I didn't really feel the need to get overly invested in. Background dinosaurs. That's what Rihanna thinks of Prehistoric <laughs> Planet on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, your host is no less a person than David Attenborough, <laughs> who I guarantee in another terrible link will not be a fan of Selling Sunset. <laughs> I don't know. I think he could switch off to Selling Sunset. Do you that could be his background programme. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. It will never be mine. Uh, season 5 is now available on Netflix. Right, this is what it's about if you don't know anything about Selling Sunset, which clearly... <laughs> is wildly popular, otherwise it would not be on season five. The series revolves around the Oppenheim Group. It's a high-end real estate brokerage company in LA. It follows a group of agents as they navigate their personal, and they are quite busy, their personal lives, and their professional lives as well, when they can squeeze them in, uh, in between really, really difficult personal challenges. The fifth season has just dropped, uh, so really we've got to talk about this because clearly some people love it. Here's a clip from the season five trailer. It is risky when you're in an office and you're obviously dating your boss. I was wondering why I wasn't getting listings. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because I'm not f***ing my boss. That is rich coming from her. <laughs> you know what? I am f***ing the boss. Hi. Hi, Chelsea Lascani. Chelsea, Christine, nice to, nice meet, to meet, meet you. I always get what I want. <laughs> I just love this view. And I just love looking down on people. The little people. Hi, Hi peasants! <laughs> In my new position as a manager, I need to figure out how to get everybody on a clean slate. If you want to be part of the brokerage, you need to stop disrespecting the other agents. I have never once instigated a situation. Oh, you have instigated a situation, love. I'll tell you, you definitely have. A quick clip from the trailer of season five of Selling Sunset. If you think they can't possibly have said hello, peasants. No, they did. Uh, (laughs) And that sort of gives you the measure of the cast of Selling Sunset. Come on then, Rihanna, can you make a case for this? <laughs> so I so I have just come back from holiday with three friends who are all obsessed with this show. And I, as soon as they started talking about it, I just buried myself in my book so I could ignore it. I come back, I think on the flight home, <laughs> I get a text saying, we'd actually like to cover Selling Sunset. On, I was like, oh my God, Really? So what do your mates say about it? Why do they love it well, so they, much? Well, they voice noted me exactly why they loved it, or oh. at least what the kind of the premise was. Yeah. And it's just like with any reality show, I suppose, because it's just, it's the rows, it's the rivalries, it's that sort of drama, that high drama that means absolutely nothing. So it's, 
it's ultimate escapism. And I am all for that. You know, everyone has got their foibles. And I'm not going to say even guilty pleasure because you shouldn't feel guilty about wanting to escape into these worlds. Um, However, this, I think because it's season five, so you sort of have to catch up a little bit. Only very briefly, because it's pretty... I mean, I hadn't seen any, but I was I was kind of caught up by the end of the first couple of minutes. Really. Yes, exactly. All of them, all of these women, all are incredible. They all have similar figures. Well, they're all quite... Well, I'm going to... Can I say this? Some of them just look underweight to me. They do seem to be incredibly, some might say, unhealthily thin. There is a scene in episode, I can't remember, three or four, because I was skipping ahead, where a woman crawls, to win a bet, crawls through a dog flap. And that's her special skill. And she wins a bet. It's She does a bet with her boss. And this is where it gets really murky because these are all estate agents mm. and they all, or half of them at least, seem to have been in a relationship of some kind with their boss. I, I find that a really troubling aspect of yes, this. Yes, I think that is a real, like, what? Yeah. And it's not that they've all been with the same man, it's just that that man is their boss. I couldn't care less whether they've all been... Uh, <laughs> it's the fact that he is, as you say, this is... And he talks about the their cut of money and he sort of is bartering with that at the same time as being in a... Rela- I find that really difficult to comprehend. I think there's a lot that anybody with um, any kind of British sensibilities will find hard to handle. Not least, there are you eye-watering sums of money yes. involved here in terms of commission if they manage to sell these incredible properties. Oh, so what did you think about i mean it's called property porn right yeah, what did well, you think is that something that appeals to you do you watch those sorts of even in the uk uh, well, I, well i definitely i've had a you know i've had my location 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 <laughs> evenings and uh, everybody's got a, a phil uh phil spencer moment in their locker somewhere haven't they um <laughs> i don't know is that a thing well yeah phil spencer is um yes he's one of those i think they call it unlikely crushes but i think that's a bit unfair on him actually um, anyway, I've only been to LA once mm-hmm. and I got very sunburnt and <laughs> Steve Martin laughed at me in a diner. What? Yeah, I know. Good, That's very cool. Good celebrity story. I think some of the, the properties are beautiful. They're almost overwhelmingly enormous, utterly without clutter. Yeah. So you get bedrooms that just have a bed in. Mm. Now, I defy... You cannot live like that. No one no. lives like that. The women do all look pretty much the same, certainly in terms of their build. The six-inch stilettos, utterly... Can you imagine a British estate agent (laughs) showing you around, you know, a very nice maisonette in Dorking, wearing a a, a six-inch... It's just not... The whole thing made me feel a bit... I just worn out, and, and and I just I don't understand why people love this. I'm really sorry. I checked in and I've checked out. And I will <laughs> never ever again trouble myself with selling sunset, but it doesn't matter because they'll sail on into the sunset or somewhere else. And loads and loads of people absolutely love it. If you want to indulge, if you must, uh, season five is on Netflix right now. I prefer Below Deck. Just a couple of programmes I wanted to mention, actually, because sometimes oh, yeah. we don't have time for absolutely everything. I thought Will Young's documentary, which you can see on all four, uh, about his brother, it's called Losing My Twin Rupert. Mm. It's about his brother who was an alcoholic and I just thought it was one of the most, I don't know, just a really honest documentary, mm. really honest and not easy for him to say some of the things he said. Yeah, And I think if anyone has been any knowledge of... of 
trying to help an alcoholic or if you, you have a, a, an alcohol problem yourself, I, I think it's going to be troubling to watch and hard. But I think you'll admire his honesty too. Mm. Have you seen that? I've not seen it. I, I want you to watch it and then let me know what you think. Okay. Yeah, and another one is a, a programme about the incredible story, which I'd largely forgotten, of the Labour politician John Stonehouse. Oh, this has been on my list. It's back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It was a guy who faked his own death, walked into the sea, only to re-emerge. And uh, he was a spy, is that right? Well, it turns out he was a spy for the Fascinating. Czech. What was then the Czech... Well, it wasn't the Czech Republic. He was a spy for Czech, what was then Czechoslovakia. Anyway, that show's called The Spy Who Died Twice, and that's on all four as well. And I just thought it was really, really pacey and just a really stylish documentary. I that's, can't wait for this. Yeah, that's The Spy Who Died Twice. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. OK, correspondence. This is an email from Brian. Dear Jane and Rihanna, you recommended The Staircase... Uh-oh. Well, I this didn't. could go like either. It yeah, could go I, one of two ways. I didn't like it, but anyway, go on. <laughs> and I've binge-watched three episodes. I was thoroughly entertained and impressed by Colin Firth's recreation of the role. However, as a Lancashire lad brought up to be respectful to fellow humans, some of the lewd photographs were a bit too much and Tony Collette's performance at the foot of the stairs was very upsetting. It's a really difficult scene to watch. I absolutely agree. I really struggled through that bit. Thanks for the recommendation to view this, though. Both Colin Firth and Tony Collette showed their acting class in this. Thanks, Brian. P.S. Having reached the ancient age of 60, I have still never correctly guessed the year of the clues. One podcast, I might get it right. I mean, you and me both, Brian. Come on, Brian. We both <laughs> we both struggle. Let's see if Brian gets it right this week. All right. Whose go is it? Uh, well, you're asking the questions. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. We mustn't forget the fanfare for what we watched. Here he is. It's quite hot in London today. Do you I, think he's going to be up to it? I think he'll manage. Come on, All let's right. get it out. Let's see. Well, here we go. What we watched. I am quizzing you after last week's difficult questions, although I think I got it right last week, yeah, didn't you, I? You just... Even though you tried to mislead me. Oh, for heaven's sake, I wouldn't be so petty. <laughs> I love it when I'm the quiz master. So you've got to guess the year from TV and pop culture clues. Your first clue... Rowan Atkinson returns as Edmund Blackadder in the BBC comedy series Blackadder the Second. Here's a clip also featuring Tim McInery as Lord Percy. I love Tim McInery. Yeah, he's great. Oh, God! This place stinks like a pair of armoured trousers after the Hundred Years' War. <laughs> well, Rick, have you been eating dung again? <laughs> My Lord! Success! What? After literally an hour's ceaseless searching, I have succeeded in creating gold, pure gold. Are you sure? Yes, my lord. Behold. Percy, it's green. (laughs) That's right, my lord. Yes, Percy, I don't want to be pedantic or anything, but the colour of gold is gold. That's why it's called gold. What you have discovered, if it has a name, is some green. Oh, I wanted to keep on listening to yeah. that. Oh, Tim McEnery is, uh, he's in 10%, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Yes. He's yeah. a very tragic character in 10%. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> the second clue is the final edition of BBC One's lunchtime magazine programme, Pebble Mill at One, is broadcast after 14 years Ooh, on air. Right. It's replaced by a new lunchtime news bulletin, the One O'Clock News. Oh, that's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> Here's a clip of the presenters arriving for their last ever show. And 
appropriately, the theme music from Apocalypse Now heralds the arrival of this Royal Naval Helicopter Squadron. Because over the years, the Federal Mill presenters have landed at this building on all manner of ingenious forms of transport, and we felt on the last day we should attempt something at least mildly spectacular. So coming in on a wing and a prayer, or should I say a rotor blade and a prayer, are Magnus Magnuson, Manion Foster, Paul Coyer, and Joseph Butler. You know, I do remember that. Brian will remember it too, I should say. Um, what an entrance. And it was, or an uh, exit. I thought Apocalypse Now was a strange comparison to what was a, a very gentle lunchtime magazine <laughs> show, from what I recall. I mean, I think that, well, I went to uni just up the road from Pebble Mill. Oh. So uh, we used to occasionally, <laughs> people would go past and, no, we, anyway, let's not Oh, go. no, I want to no, hear what appalling. you did when you went past. No, no, I didn't do it. Oh, no. sure. Final clue with a clip. As part of the BBC's Drug Watch campaign, right. BBC One airs It's Not Just Samo. Oh, Remember that? Going chill, yeah. A news round special presented by John Craven. He's been on before, hasn't he? He's been on our... <laughs> John, <laughs> what we still, watched. Still going. Uh, presented by John Craven and Nick Ross. Here's John. Hello and welcome to this special follow-up to the story of Zamo Maguire, the Grange Hill schoolboy who got hooked on heroin. But it's not just Samo, and it's not just heroin. In real life, drugs have become a big problem, and that's what this programme is all about. We'll be finding out some of the facts about drugs and offering what we hope is helpful and realistic advice. Some of the cast of Grandchild, including Lee MacDonald, who plays Zamo, are here in the studio, and we'll have the first chance to see and hear a new pop record and video they've made of the anti-drug song that you heard at the beginning. Gosh, uh, that is a timepiece, the time when John Craven was heading an anti-drugs initiative. I mean, I forgot it was actually Nancy Reagan who yes. founded the Just Say No campaign. Yes, so Just Say No, the actual song, reached yeah. the top ten of the UK singles chart and then the members of the cast of Grange Hill were invited to the White House to meet the First Lady. Were they? Yeah. Gosh, OK. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm gonna need what more, a journey. need more clues, though. I'm a bit baffled All this right, week. here we go. Final clues... British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher opens the final stretch of the M25, London's orbital motorway. Right. <laughs> at the time, it was the world's longest ring road at 117 oh, miles. How interesting. Uh, <laughs> fact fans, there you go. That's one for the pub. And also, tragically, in this year, this should help, the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded 73 seconds after it lifted off from Cape Canaveral. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to say, and I could be way off, 1987. Oh, so close. What was it? Go on. 88? 86. Oh. 1986. Oh, Brian, I hope you did better than me. <laughs> it's podcast at radiotimes.com. If you want to do a Brian and send us an email, we'd appreciate it. If you want a list of the programmes we've talked about today and where to find them, go to the episode notes wherever you get your podcast and do follow to get episodes as soon as they come out. And please, please tell all your mates who like telly too that this is the best podcast to get if you want to find out what's coming up what's worth investigating, and in some cases, what is worth a swerve. Um, don't forget, too, about the BFI and Radio Times TV Festival. It's um, bfi.org.uk slash tvfest. Don't forget, the Radio Times magazine is out today, and there's a great big, terrifying dinosaur on the cover uh, looking... I mean, I can't 
really do it justice, but trust me, you'll want to get a copy. And if you worry sometimes about missing your Radio Times magazine, well, I've got the solution for you. Go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash Radio Times and then you'll never miss out. And if you still want more, don't forget Smart TV. That is the weekly bite-sized podcast which brings you the best of what to watch. Anything we might have missed, well, the Radio Times TV expert, David Butcher, will make sure he brings it to your attention. Now, the Radio Times podcast is produced by... Something else. And who's it for? It's for immediate media and for you at home. Absolutely, it certainly is. And uh, we'll see you at the big festival at the BFI. I'll see you on stage. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.